All right. Welcome, everyone, to the first episode of the podcast. We don't have anything for it yet. No names yet, but that'll come with due time. We just got to wait for the right one. Um, I'm Scotty Smalls, as you all know, and joining me- I am Local Pobs. Local Pobs and Scotty on the podcast. Um, This is about the FCF, obviously, because what else would we be talking about that would interest all of you? Probably not a whole lot. The idea behind it, kind of going through once a week, which would be about a month of action in the FCS. So there's going to be a lot to talk about. Um, We'll try to keep it concise, but also just breaking down everything that's going on, the top storylines, the trends in our Sim League, and everything else, and anything else that you guys would find interesting. So we're obviously open to suggestions. Loco Pobs has had a bit of experience with an FCF pod, so he's going to be providing some great insight for us and will probably be helping us along the way as we get this thing started. I used to understand, like, I mean, quality content and, like, air quotes as you say all of that, but, no, I definitely think getting back into some sort of distributed podcast where we've got commentary or at least thoughts about what is kind of going on in the league every real-time week will be good and I know the folks who did listen to it when I was putting something out did seem to enjoy it and I still may end up putting something out for the Steelheads in particular but having more of an overarching look is significantly easier to do with a couple of people especially if we've got folks from both leagues because I mean I've definitely been kind of laser focused at times even just within my division um and then looking at the diamond league as a whole is easier for me to do than glancing over at the platinum league and being able to provide any kind of accurate insight so having scotty over there will be probably something very very good for us to have on the podcast yeah i i think so it'll give us a little bit of insight and just because we didn't have a hundred win team in 2022 doesn't mean we weren't a we weren't a dynamite division. So I will defend the Platinum League as best I can. Let's just jump right into it. We're gonna just start with a look back at the 2022 season before we start talking about champions and things like that and the playoffs. Let's look at the expansion teams. They're in their second year of their second season of play. And quite a few of them, about half, were kind of making some big plays there at the end. And a few of them made the playoffs. One of them made it to the championship game. Um, anything you want to you start with there, Pop? But, no, I, yeah, like we're looking at three teams that made the playoffs, a fourth in the juice who finished just four games out. Again, our playoff teams were the Boston Breakers winning the wild card, the Murmansk people also taking the wild card, and in your division, actually, Scotty, the Toronto Roadrunners squeaking out. Well, not really squeaking. They took it by 10 games, taking the Pete Rose division. Again, that's three teams in the playoffs in their second season. That's, I think, really encouraging for us all to see, like sitting within the commissioner's office. That's just awesome to see. The Juice are going to be competitive, and it worries me having to deal with them for the foreseeable future. But yeah, I think, I mean, five of the six expansion teams are active 
and definitely looking to compete. I mean, outside of New York, all the teams won at least 75 games. And I think that is very telling that they're all certainly heavily invested in this and trying to put forth a good product on the 24 diamonds of the fall classic federation. Right. And the Islanders in their first year, they kind of went all in a little bit. They were throwing some, some big names on their team and they 79 and 83 in 2021. So not, not too bad. And then they, uh, I think they kind of ran into some financial things and say they started shedding contracts like a uh, Husky in the, in the winter, just shedding its undercoat. Um, And that's why they ended up with the tied for the worst record in FCF history dating back to a long time ago. I think the first or second season. Is that really? Is that from that? That's one. I didn't know if Sicily yeah, had was, a bad season last year or that bad of a season. It wasn't that bad. No, let's see. Uh, no, the worst season was in 2019. The then Shreveport Swamp Dragons with 111 losses. Oh yes. Seattle the Storm in that same for year. The tank. Yeah, had 110. So Islanders with their second season. I mean, they're. They're on the league record board, so they got something going for them. Something. I don't think I can say that yet. You brought up a good point. I mean, Mermance and the Breakers already getting into the playoffs. The Breakers getting that wild card spot, just beating out the Flagstaff Grand Canyons, who had been 90-plus win teams the previous three or four seasons. So seeing them not make it, was a surprise, but seeing the breakers was a pleasant surprise kind of squeak in there. And then we, the Mer people winning by four games in the wild card, just edging out. Uh, oh, don't know if this is a sore subject for you, but just edging out the door County steelheads and the Not Orlando. Really. I mean, it's like, well, I didn't expect to be a five, 500 given how the season started. So it's like, ah, mm-hmm. that's fine. So, but you brought up a good, a good point, and we're going to talk about them a little bit later, but we can just bring them into the conversation now. Uh, the Orlando Juice, they look like they're just going to make that Ken Griffey Jr. division one of the most, if not the most, competitive divisions here in 2023. Yeah, I think, I mean, again, they, took, they tied for second this year. And I think we had, I mean, the joke that we always make is that we can have 14, four players, four teams finish above 500 within the division, which is, I think, a bit scary looking around at some of the other divisions where you've got teams with 100 wins and 100 losses. So that's definitely going to be super competitive. And given the salary that I've shed, it's like, okay, I could possibly try to bring in some free agents and spend some money that way. but there's a definite threat of, okay, if you're going to do this, you need to kind of commit to it because there are two other teams in Orlando and Las Vegas that are going to be trying to knock Jeff off his throne there or at least claim the wild card. So it's kind of an unrelenting stream of competitive teams, which is a good thing. It makes the division significantly more interesting. It does. It does. And it makes it almost getting that wild card spot 
even tougher. I mean, you finished four games back, you and Orlando both finishing four games back from Murmansk, but at the end at Murmansk was playing Sicily and Helsingborg. Uh, they did have California in their division, but they're playing uh, those two teams that finished with a 431 percentage or fewer or less. Meanwhile, you and Orlando are duking it out with two teams that were just, I mean, one team that <laughs> finished 130 and 32, which is okay. Um, and then Las Vegas, I mean, they finished two and eight in their last 10 games, but just finished two games below 500. So and it's, it's great game wise. It can be a little tough there at the end of the season when you're right on the cusp of getting that wild card when you're in that tough division and you know that you're going to have to really earn that wild card there at the end of the season when you finish up with three series of division games. Yeah, that was definitely something that I was not looking forward to. But it's like, okay, I got through the first part of September. It's like, well, I'm at least set up to try to compete. And then it's what I like about how we have the playoff set up is you have to do well in your division. And I don't, I mean, I got swept by Jeff this year. It sucked. But the impetus is like, okay, no, you have to do well against your division. You get 54 games of the 162 against your own division. And then you kind of figure out the rest. And all of those games that I dropped within the division, even if I probably won a third of the ones that I lost otherwise, would have gotten me probably into the playoffs. So it's emphasizing the importance of it. And yeah, the last part of the season stinks, but I don't think I'd rather have it any other way. So that's my at least two cents on that part of the way it's set up. Yeah, it could be a lot worse. You could be the Reno Rattlers and finish one and nine to end the season after leading the division uh, about right around the halfway point. So it could be a lot worse. It could Those be graphical standings are so pretty. Ah, oh, for it to Yeah, I guess if you like mountain ranges. <laughs> well, speaking of division rivals, uh, we have a special guest today. The first guest of this combo pod. We're going to bring in the general manager and only multi championship winning GM joining us now from Estes Park, Colorado, Jeff Steelflex. Jeff, thanks for coming on. I am very thrilled to be here. I can hear it in my voice. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. So much so. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Well, I think the first question that everyone has was, so the first team to repeat, how's it feel? Yeah, it feels so good. <laughs> I'm not, I, going into the playoffs, I did want another first-time champion. But once it seemed like it was going to come down to me, JP, or X competing for that second title, I really wanted to be the one who came out in front there, especially over JP. I don't blame you at all for that. X, whatever. I mean, he's good at this. JP, I just I can't let him have more shit to throw at us. No. Oh man. Well, that's that's fair, especially because he uh, he used to be in the in the commissioner's office and. Now he just gets to relax and hang out and just play some ball. And talk a lot of shit. 
so much <laughs> shit. There's so much shit, and the kid is drunk so much, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> He'll say, like, a bunch of shit in the league discussion and then go into my DMs and, like, joke about how much of a dick he's being. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. <laughs> but he's having fun with it, so I guess that's we got to have somebody like that in the league. Well, as long as everybody's having fun. As long as everybody's having fun. And yeah, we can talk about that later. Aren't succeeding. Yeah, we'll talk about that off the record more. <laughs> <laughs> did you expect your team to to do as well as it did? I don't think anybody can reasonably expect 130 wins. I couldn't tell you the secret to that success. I mean, in the off season, I remember trading away Paul Goldschmidt to make to save a little bit of money, and I figured, oh, we'll probably take a step back. You know, be a normal team in the 90 to 100 win range. So, no, I did not see 130 wins happening or even 118 again. So then I guess you have to go to, you got 130. How do you build on that? <laughs> I, that's kind of the thing is this, I'm going to try and take these next couple of seasons to maybe scale back the major league roster a little bit and start focusing on the minors that I have completely decimated over these first five seasons. I mean, I've traded away countless picks and prospects in order to get these two rings, and now my farm has been consistently the worst in the league. So maybe kind of shift focus a little bit and try to let some other people compete. I appreciate that, Jeff. Thank you. Yeah, I was thinking more like orange juice or something like that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely no animosity here between division rivals. As long as it's not Jingles taking the division, I think. This is very true. Yep, we will agree. We can agree on that. (laughs) But no, I see see Orlando as the biggest threat right now. They're scary. They scare me. Making a lot of moves. I feel good about the trade I made. And then I was looking through the other trades. I was like, oh, Orlando got Goldschmidt. That's not great. Oh, Orlando got AJ Wilson. That's probably not great either. So, yeah, I'm not looking forward to playing them this season because they kind of had my number this last season. I didn't check the numbers exactly, but they did sweep me to end the season after I didn't lose like two games in a row all season. So they were kind of my biggest enemy trying to pull up the head to head now. I mean, I hopefully nobody missed that humble brag of him. (laughs) <laughs> thinking he didn't lose two games in a row at any point, which is probably very likely considering he I only lost, lost 32. I lost two in a row a couple times. Like when I, lo- when I lost, I would lose two in a row, but I don't think I got – well, I know I didn't get swept until the very end, which is Orlando. And stats plus 13 to 23 all time. So they're doing pretty good versus me. Okay, so – Without revealing too much, what's an Estes Park offseason going to look like? I mean, you talked about scaling back a little bit, but it, you still have you still got some money to throw around. Uh, I mean, there's a little bit of money. I don't want to put myself into a hole because I've got some guys I'd like to extend in the coming seasons. It's probably going to be really boring. Um, after I extended um, Chapman for another two years, you know, my lineup is pretty set. If anything, we might bring in like a fourth outfielder, but depth has kind of been my thing. So there's not a lot of places to look for improvement. If anything, I might just try and trade off some dudes who are going to get expensive in the coming years. 
I have a certain right fielder who wants like 40 million a year. And I don't know how reasonable that is at this point. Bellinger contract that X gave out is not really going to help your case. And it's like, eh, you don't need that money, but this guy over there got even more money. So well, yeah, that doesn't Bellinger's, help. I mean, Bellinger's getting 27 million a year and Harper wants 45 million. So I'm probably not going to pay that. Wait, what did, didn't Belly just get extended to like, who's got, it's no, a, no, it, it's Lindor who's getting paid over 40 million a year. Yeah. Lindor's the one that X paid a fuck ton of money to. Just surprised that he's constantly on the trade block. Super right. surprised. But Jeff, it'll, and, it'll go be ahead. Boring. Um, there's just, I don't know. It's, I'm hoping that everybody else makes the offseason exciting. I'm hoping that this crazy Cuban god of baseball <laughs> provides enough entertainment that I don't mind just kind of sitting on my hands for the whole offseason. That will be a fun storyline to follow. Oh, also, I'm so excited. <laughs> as another as another team that does not have a whole lot of money, if any, to put into free agency, it's going to be. I'm going to be living vicariously through all of these teams that have sixty plus million dollars to spend a year for the next like five years based on their budgets. I am it's going to be have my heart ripped out, so it's okay. And then, of course, I'm sure we can expect some uh, in-the-shadows antics of uh, Estes Park just throwing in a little bit of money to drive that price up a little bit. I have enough money to make, like, one, maybe two offers before I can't afford him anymore. So that's about all you'll get out of me, unfortunately. <laughs> so should we be expecting a, a back-to-back year? I mean, bringing back almost the, the whole team, is that the goal? I would like to say that the division, you know, that that's probably a pretty achievable goal outside of that, you know, the playoffs are what they are, but yeah, the team is mostly exactly the same going into this next season. So I feel pretty good about it. You've got your entire lineup still, it looks like you've got four of your five starters. So. Yeah. And I mean, the starter I lost was Kevin Gossman. He did, he did a great job for me, but it's not like I don't have plenty of other decent starting pitchers to pick between. I mean, Pom Pom made multiple very good starts for you, so he could. Yeah, he was a great addition last season. He could definitely contribute some if needed. So there is very little doubt, at least from this division rival, that your team will be at the top of the Ken Griffey Jr. division. I'm just scared of Orlando. (laughs) Injuries. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's I am, fair. I am legitimately scared of Orlando. Like I said, they played really well against me last season, and he has made a lot of moves already. <laughs> and the off season has just started, so I don't know. I would like to keep it up for another season or two, but it'd be kind of fun to have somebody dethrone me. Is there anyone that had a breakout year last year that you're expecting to probably come down a little bit and that just going to make the Ken Griffey Jr. division just that much more competitive? Um, my Actually, Jingles and I were just talking about this. Uh, my center fielder had a really good season at the plate. I mean, he's got, you know, pretty solid around the board, across the board's uh, ratings, but he still hit like over 300 for the season, which I don't really expect from him. Uh, I don't know. Otherwise, I think I think losing Posey could probably hurt a lot. He was super good for me behind the plate. Hit like 300 while doing it. 
Carpenter was another really good player that I didn't bring back. So, you know, losing those guys will hurt. I don't see anybody on my team that I think necessarily should take a big step back. There are a couple guys who could maybe regress a little bit, but I don't want to hope for that. All right. Anything else you want to add while we got you on here for the first episode of a uh, podcast that still doesn't have a name? No, I just want to make sure everybody knows that the Jesters suck and that George made a terrible trade when he sent off Morhone for Castellanos. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Somebody so who signed Castellanos this year. Yeah. Yep. Has yep. he been signed? No. no, well, no, I signed him for the 2022 season. It okay. was super unhelpful. So <laughs> negative 0.3 war. Yeah. Yeah. That's All okay. right. George learned his lesson. Live and learn. Live and learn. I, uh, Absolutely. I'm learning that all of those uh, signing big extensions after a guy had one good year uh, was probably not the smartest move. And now I'm, and also not checking my my messages of uh, no of Munchiel no going. Uh, oh yeah, I'll take your offer. <laughs> Whoops. This game's very good at tricking you into giving a player a lot of money after he has one good season and then they fall apart. <laughs> Actually, you know what? That Bryce Harper, he'll take a big step back this season because that's what he does. That's what he does in real life. Well, that's what he's done in this game. Let's see. This season was 8.1 war. Last season was 3.8. Before that was 6.8. Before that was 4.3. Before that was 8.6. So, like, up and down, up and down. So, he'll have a roughly four war year. So, he'll be half as good as he was this time around. Yes, because four war is a bad thing, but yeah, but I mean, again, compared to the eight that he just put up, yes, very true. I don't expect that again. So he was definitely a driving force. I know you won't win MVP because everybody is wrong, um, <laughs> but he was definitely my MVP. All right, Jeff, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you having or taking the time to join us, and. Uh, Good luck next season. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, I look forward to it. Thanks for There's a lot of people rooting for the Orlando Juice. I'm not. I don't know about rooting. Hold on. I said scared of. <laughs> oh, no, I'm saying there's a lot of people in the league that are going to be rooting for the Orlando Juice now. Now that oh. you've, you've hyped them up. They've got the hype train, and then there's a dark horse. In I don't Georgia. think anybody should root for them. <laughs> Just watch for them. Yeah, just be, be aware of them. I'm in the other league. I can, I can do whatever I want. That's fair. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Jeff. Appreciate sure. it. You stay thanks, safe. Guys. Wash your hands. All right. Let's move on to the 2023 offseason where we've, got, we've identified about six teams that are going to be able to make Big splashes. We expect them to make big splashes because they were competitive last year and they have the budget to do it. And looking at this list, we've got a couple expansion teams ready to roll. Um, we've got a division winner on here. Uh, and it, 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 these teams could make big splashes and there's big free agents to that can really change their team and put them on that next level to go out and compete for a championship oh for sure yeah again yeah looking at our list yeah all six of these teams have 
made the playoffs. One of them has won a title and is looking to get back to the victory lane, so to speak, of the Fall Classic Federation. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of strong teams here, and I think all six of them have very good cases to make in the next couple of seasons in terms of whether or not they should be competitive and spending some of that fun, fun cash they have on these top free agents that we expect to be signed, hopefully sooner rather than later, but they can be a little patient and the GMs are not. So (laughs) that's okay. Yeah. Well, let's just go down the list. We'll talk about Boston first. Boston, um, just going off the financial information that's on stats plus. So it's available to everyone. No secret, no secret finance that we're looking at here, but their budget to payroll. I mean, it's not as impressive as some of these other teams we're going to talk about. They've got about 30, just under 30 million, uh, of budget to talk about, but their cash is at 33 million. So that gives them right around 60 million to spend on, uh, on free agents. And while that may not seem like a lot when we start talking about these other teams, compared to some of the competitive teams out there, that's quite a bit to throw around here. Maybe it doesn't get you Juan Trevino, but it can get you a lot of other good, good value picks. Oh, for sure. And again, this is a wild card team and in a very competitive division with Philly and Flagstaff there as well. But they have got a team that's gotten to the playoffs already. So it's not like they're trying to build something after saving a lot of money this year. No, they're close and probably need a couple of players to really kind of come in and be impact players, whether or not that is a pitcher and a hitter, two bats, or two arms that can really make the difference getting into the playoffs or in a playoff series. I think Boston is definitely poised to bid on some of these players, and I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe shift some money around in a trade in order to really acquire a top-notch free agent as we move through the offseason. Yeah, definitely could be expecting them to get a bat while they had one of the top batting averages in the Platinum League they were low on the run scored, for, especially for a, a team that made the playoffs eighth in run scored and 11th in on-base percentage. So this team could hack it, but it was uh, when you got runners in scoring position, putting them across. So a good bat, a good consistent bat in the heart of your lineup could really put this team over the edge. They have guys on there that can do it, but just adding that extra – that extra push gives you a couple more, couple more wins. And just like that, you're looking at a division winner and then someone that can compete late in the playoffs. You pick up one of those kind of bats and a pitcher. And again, looking at a team that could really be a force to be reckoned with in 2023. For sure. Yeah. I mean, looks like they might need a first baseman and some sort of starter at least initial impressions looking at lineups and stuff. But yeah, you make the playoffs and you're the team that scored the eighth most runs in the league. That definitely means there's probably room for improvement there. So definitely look for the breakers to try to boost their offense in terms of an overall production sort of thing. It might not be something where you're looking for a guy who only hits well. It's definitely going to be somebody who can get on base in 
multiple different ways. Yeah. Again, eighth in runs, eighth in OPS. There's a lot of room for improvement and plenty of sources for improvement out there in the free agent market right now. All right, next on the list for our teams, we're expecting to make some big splashes in the 2023 offseason. Uh, I think it's better to be introduced by the man who manages this team. Yes, it is. It is the Door County Steelheads. Um, and we're fish. We make splashes, so it's great. But, yeah, no, I pulled my team page back up and realized, like, oh, yeah, I don't have a very good lineup, like, at all. It needs to be improved badly, so... Um, Juan Trevino, I'm coming for you, but oh. there are definitely players that I could go out and spend money on, and there's plenty of room for improvement. Again, I had the worst offense in the league pretty handily. Um, again, I think maybe they took a person away now that we're like in a free agency or something, but my current batting war is seven. For the entire 2022 season that's not that's not great so you know i've definitely got lots of money to spend i think going into the offseason i had 81 million dollars available for free agency oh i need to make sure did i export i need to because okay i'm gonna do this real quick <laughs> enter in my password and just to make sure there we go we're gonna check the Discord. Anyway, yeah, no, there's lots of stuff for me to do, lots of money to spend, plenty of holes for me to fill because again, I shipped off Trout, and that was probably the majority of my offense. So need to replace him. Um infield is fine defensively. Offensively, they lack a little bit, but could definitely go acquire somebody in that market and then outfield i've got yelich who's done fine for me he's worth the 11 million that i've been paying him over the last few years and i'm going to continue to pay but you know having somebody like trevino would be huge to bring in um and we're not going to get too far into this but yeah somebody like sanchez as a catcher would probably be somebody i'd be interested in at least talking to because i've got holes there as well mm, yeah the the infield definitely um and then can always improve uh your pitching's pretty solid so uh yeah, i'm looking at your top prospect thing here on the side doesn't look like there's anyone that's ready to kind of make that jump no. just yet um yeah. maybe maybe tyler callahan in the middle of the season but yeah, other I think than that. He, <clears throat> yeah, he needs to prove a little bit in AAA, which is what at least the beginning of the season will be. Again, he's also got a broken elbow right now, so he's got yeah. to heal from that first. But yeah, there's definitely opportunity for me to acquire players through free agency. I've already made a trade to bring in someone who could probably be a fourth or fifth starter, maybe even my third starter given the season he just had. I didn't realize that. Oh, he was like top five in pitcher war in the Platinum League. So I was like, oh, okay. I was just like, he had a good season and I was liking 
kind of what he had for a contract and his different stats didn't look I mean they weren't unbelievably flashy but they looked like they could be replicated and it's like oh never mind he was actually did very well but I don't feel like I gave up too much to bring him in so I'm excited about that but yeah there's lots of improvement I need to be doing and I have the capital to do so now so it's just up to me to properly offer contracts and not get outbid by other people. <laughs> and just be careful. You don't spend it. Don't spend it all in one place. I don't plan to. All right. So now on to the Orlando juice for the juice. Uh, this is the team that has been in the back of a few teams minds, especially in the Ken Griffey junior division. And they tell look me about it. <laughs> they look poised to, to make a big old splash of OJ in the 2023 offseason. Just a quick financial update. They've come into the 2020 season with almost 47 mil in cash, and they are almost $100 million under budget based on their payroll. Uh, you scared over there? Yeah, very much so. It's not even, yeah, like they're, Again, I finished the season tied with them, and I think I overachieved. So I definitely expect them to take first or second in the division next season. And they've already made a couple of trades where they've picked up some very good players, and they have the financial flexibility to continue to do so through free agency. And Reed is not afraid of trading for players either as he's demonstrated so far. So I fully expect them to make big splashes either with trades or with free agency, if not both. So yeah, I'm concerned and I don't like where my team is standing compared to them right now. And looking at their roster right now, it's not like that they had, like there's big places they can improve. They had a lot of young guys, um, come up bj frake was in his first year um the rookie yeah they've got ethan paul on their roster right now and he'd be playing in his rookie year in 2023 paul goldschmidt they just picked up so they are solid at first base verdugo hit 308 with 104 rbis last year kettle Marte is gone i believe no he's back but between Marte and paul you've got two guys that can play ball so i guess they could add a little bit more starting pitching but it's already a solid team probably need some help in the bullpen but this is going to be a good team yeah, I mean, they've kind of got a similar situation. Like, if you look at their ERAs, where it's like they're both th- six in the Diamond League last year, but their pitching war was third. So, okay, which is it? And is that just, okay, maybe they need to, again, improve their fielding a little bit. That might help. So yeah, that could be something that they go out and spend the money on. So, yeah, improve the offense a little bit, improve their fielding, and the ERA might come down to line up with the FIP. So, yeah, yeah, eleventh this team, last this year. team's going to be good. Eleventh yeah. in errors last year. So, obviously, the defense is a a spot that can be improved. But Goldschmidt can play some good defense over at first base. 
Uh, I mean, he's not going to make any diving plays, but you throw it anywhere near him and he'll, he'll gobble it up. Yep. When I would second, again, top pitcher for basically any of the stats that really matter in terms of ERA strikeouts or FIP, Marahone, rookie pitcher, probably only going to get better. So having him lead the line there is intimidating. Oh, and he has Kimbrel. He picked up Kimbrel on a contract that was significantly less than the qualifying offer that he had been declining. That's too bad. Yeah. That's okay. Going to be scary yeah. for the yeah. Ken Griffey Jr. division. All right, moving on down the list. San Diego Elephants, uh, they were a team that was around last year. They were tough. Um, they didn't do as hot this year. They kind of struggled there. Um, I mean, they won the division last year, made it to the playoffs, and then this year kind of fell off. They went from a 100-win team to a 79-win team, but they kept that payroll low. And I know they've been kind of digging themselves out of a financial hole recently after, excuse me, taking over the team um, when they were in a dire financial straits there um, after the 2020 season. But they're back in a spot where they can be uh, a little more flexible. I mean, they only have $7 million in cash, but their payroll right now is $50 million under their budget. So this is another team that there's plenty of places to improve and they definitely have the means to improve. For sure. I fully anticipate Baba making moves either with trades or in the free agency market can be offense very similar to mine left a lot to be desired out there so if the pitching is anything close to what it was which was first in runs against and second and fifth first in strikeouts in the platinum league if he holds on to something close to that and can improve the offense which there are certainly plenty of free agent options out there to do so and you can persuade trades to be made as well by different GMs. So I think Baba is very well poised to make improvements to the team and get significantly better. Again, very few teams are kind of out on Trevino because they don't need someone like him. But Tampa Bay, or San Diego, sorry, is a team that is both in need of somebody like that and someone who would have the financial flexibility to bring in a player like that. Yeah, this is a, a player that can, like a Mike Trout, can bump your offense up from a 12th place, 12th in run scored and batting average, and 11th in OPS, 11th in batting war. And you can jump up to easily be in the top third of the league just with this one player. Um, if he performs like his ratings say he should perform. Um, and then has always had good pitching. You add in a fifth starter there and you have a very serviceable rotation. He's got a couple guys in AAA that are kind of right on the cusp of being major league ready. Maybe not ready at the beginning of this season, 
but can definitely be there uh, maybe in the middle of the year if something's not working. But there's plenty of free agents, starters to get, which we'll get to. Um, but, yeah, San Diego, not afraid to make some moves in the offseason, as they've shown in the past. And staying with the Tom Seaver division, the winners of the Tom Seaver this year, the San Mateo Sea Lions, in very similar financial um, a situation, we'll call it. Um, they come in with a bit just under $40 million cash, and they're a little bit – they're only about $10 million under budget, but that cash um, – can be that one year push you put out a, a couple one or two year deals. Um, and that can, that can bump your team to make that push in the playoffs, which San Mateo has the core to be a contender in their division and make it to the playoffs. But then in order to continue to make that push into the playoffs, they're going to need to pick up at least one offensive weapon. For sure. And Maybe he needs to have a discussion with his manager about proper playoff pitcher usage, but that's something you can't really fix in the offseason by throwing more money at it. So, yeah, the offense looks – yeah, again, you bring in somebody. I mean, whether or not he has the money for Trevino, I don't know. But somebody maybe like – well, I'd, I would have said Gary Sanchez, but he's got Adley, Adley Rushman. Adley Rushman. So I don't know if you really would have – replace him with Gary Sanchez, but one of them could DH part of the time. I'm not sure. There is some sort of offensive hole to fill right now for San Mateo, and I would expect Pops to go out and improve it in some way, whether or not that is in free agency or via trade. Pops is a little bit harder for me to read, especially with, like you said, a lot of cash sitting out there, so there wouldn't be a lot of flexibility for a big multi-year deal for free agents necessarily without making some other sort of move. Maybe he moves somebody like Betts who's got a contract for the next couple of years, but that's something else that I'm not entirely sure he would do considering that the division is still pretty ripe for the taking and he might as well try to take try to take one more trip to the playoffs of the division winner while he still can. Right. And there's, it's not a deep, he looks like, it looks like his team needs someone in the outfield. Um, and it's not a very deep outfield class. I mean, you have Juan Trevino, um, Aaron judge, but he spent most of his time as a DH. Um, and then you don't see another top offensive player until Domingo Santana, uh, who's not a top old, offensive player, not a top offensive player, then Anthony Alford and Adubel Herrera and Max Kepler. Kepler is probably the best offensive player. He's serviceable in the outfield. Um, but you know, he's not that, he's not that, he probably isn't that spark that your team needs to kind of get over that hump. No, I agree with that. Trade-wise to maybe free up some money to go after a Juan Trevino. Um, 
or see what they do from there. And then that brings us to the Toronto Roadrunners, which I believe they're under new management. They are, thank goodness, because when you don't have a manager around, that things can be a little murky. And I think Toronto was looking at a lot of off-season fog and confusion without having a GM there. So excited to have somebody back at the helm. And they, it's not like they're, uh, they're coming into a situation where, you know, a team's uh, incredibly in debt, in debt. In fact, it's almost quite the opposite. They have $65 million in cash, and they're about just – they're over $60 million under budget right now. So this is a team similar to Murmansk where they have a lot of money – to spend and they can do big time deals up front and they can go long-term. Uh, I don't even know if we have Murmansk on our list. No, but we should add them because Murmansk um, is, has $86 million in cash. Oh my gosh. And they are also over 60 million under budget. So Murmansk and Toronto just money wise uh, probably the favorites right now to sign Juan Trevino because they have uh, dumb amounts of money to spend and plenty of room to improve. Although Toronto had one of the top offenses in the Platinum League, uh, they could definitely use some help pitching, especially in that starting rotation. You have Steven Strasburg and Lewis Thorpe. Thorpe has a torn rotator cuff. And I mean, besides really Steven Strasburg, they don't have a, a solid two, three, four, five person that you can plug in there. So expect Toronto, if they stay in Toronto, just expect that team to make a splash along with Murmansk. Yeah, there are free agents out there for pitching that can be very helpful to a team like this. And Having reached out to him about Strasburg, it makes sense now why he said he needed the pitching and didn't really want to surrender him because, well, he needs the pitching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Aaron Saval is their number two. McClanahan is their number three. Thorpe was their four, but he's got a torn rotator cuff. And then you have Brady, Brady Aiken. Not, a, not exactly a star-studded uh cast there bullpen decent Um, but that kind of brings us to our next portion the top free agents and i'm sure everyone knows who we're going to talk about first a guy that came out of nowhere and by nowhere i mean cuba it's juan el canguro trevino the kangaroo out of cuba why don't you start us off? Just what oh, were your gosh. initial thoughts when you saw his name pop up and just what kind of player he was? Oh, man. Um, again, I was kind of in and out of the sim yesterday, which would have been Wednesday, when he was revealed to the world and it was like, oh, this is a guy. And it's like, no, this isn't a guy. This is a guy. This is, he looks to be some sort of like franchise changing player. Um, just his bat looks 
unbelievable. And I think he looks like he could be competent enough to play in right field, at least for a little bit. And he's 24. So the hope would be that he could improve still a little bit there. But oh, yeah, looking, it's like, oh my gosh, you just start kind of wondering, okay, what could I build around him with that? And you start thinking of, okay, he's 24 years old. If you sign him to an eight year contract, that's only until age 32. And hopefully you get all of his prime in that. But then with that, how much is that going to cost? Right. And initially, right now, the starting asking price is somewhere around eight years, 20 plus million dollars. There's no way it stays that cheap. Not a chance. Not a chance. There's too much blue on that ratings page for that to stay anywhere near $20 million. I think early estimates put it around to about double that for around eight years. Yeah, I think, yeah, 300 million is probably a very safe bet. I would love to get him for less than that, but I don't think I'm the only one who's going to be bidding for him. So Yeah, and we just went through the kind of money that some of these teams have. That's, uh, excuse the French, but that's like fuck you money. That's just money that can be thrown at any sort of problem a team might have and see if it works. Um, I don't think there's any doubt that he will be a contender for whatever league MVP he's in. Um, But yeah, one thing that people did bring up is that he seems to have not figured out lefty pitching. At this point, I don't care. He's 24 years old and has all of that. And righties, what, make up like a two-thirds of Mm -hmm. the pitchers? So, oh darn, he has one league average game every three games against a possible lefty. And this is, yeah, it's like, yeah, he's going to be average against the small side of the platoon. I'm okay with that. Yeah, Uh, teams better have their lefty specialists ready to go when they play Juan Trevino. Yep. Let's move yeah. to another another big hitter, one that's close to my heart. Aaron Judge just got too expensive for me to uh, kind of keep on the roster. A great hitter, serviceable right fielder. Uh, the guy hits for power, and in his last few seasons has been hitting pretty good average too, somewhere around the 260 frame. Um, I mean, obviously strikes out a lot. He led the league in strikeouts in 2020, uh, 2019. So, I mean, he's, he's a pretty prototypical three outcome, three true outcome kind of player. But you put him in a, a lineup with guys that get on base and he's going to get you RBIs. Oh, for sure. Yeah, just like, again. The same year in 2020 when he led the league in strikeouts, he also led the Platinum League in home runs and RBIs as well as runs, which is slightly surprising. But or when when you hit 54 over, yeah. you score yourself 54 times, and then you get walked. He only walked 72 times, but he had an on-base percentage of 343, 
and then led the platinum league and slugging at 576 slugging yeah. that's a big number yeah and this year uh he battled a little bit of injuries i'm pretty sure yeah, he only played in 148 games uh he wasn't injured um it's just bad managing probably be my guess <laughs> 14 games off over the course of a season probably isn't bad but again yeah, his batting average and his obp are both above what he had in 2020 he's only eight points or seven points below his slugging percentage that he had in 2020 so yeah, only three points below in the ops plus so if whoever signs aaron judge will be getting a very good dh and a good right fielder if you decide to put him out there yeah and it's very much i mean if you have ground ball pitchers and stuff you'd probably be okay because you're not going to have to rely on him too much out there fly ball hitters might be a different story but that's okay well speaking of pitchers Corey kluber former helsingborg scavator whatever that scavater 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 i don't know the bunnies the the winged bunnies the winged bunnies uh cory kluber the top starting pitcher in this class based on overall um and he's on the wrong side of 30 uh he's 36 he'll turn 37 during the season towards the very beginning of the season but still good stuff decent movement good control and then, I mean, he's a workhorse with 75 stamina. This is a guy that can consistently get you to the 190, right around the 9,500 pitch range consistently. And you put him on the right team, he can help your team out big time. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's got one, I think he's got three or four shutouts so far in his Fall Classic Federation career. He's led the league a couple of times in winning percentage, in batters faced, in Ks in 2020. So definitely somebody who, despite his age, is performing still very, very well. Like looking at his scouting page, you can look at, okay, it's been, and we've played five seasons now, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. And his... Like, okay, if we're just going to go by overall and potential, that has gone down by five. The only thing that's really been affected negatively amongst his stuff, movement, and control is his movement. So you might expect him to give up a couple of more home runs, which looking at his stats, like, okay, it kind of bears out, but not that much. But he's been traded a bunch too. He He signed a contract with Flagstaff before the 2019 season. and got traded to, did he get traded to Portland or did he get picked up in the expansion draft? He was traded to Portland. Never mind. No, he was drafted in the expansion draft. He was the number one pick in the expansion draft. But I don't blame Flagstaff for not protecting him. He's expensive. But then gets traded to New York and then gets traded to Helsingborg the next season. So he's bounced around a little bit and hopefully can find a home for at least a couple of years um, what is he? He is still wanting five years, so that's a long time 
to be paying somebody his age. Yeah, and this league can get a bit ageist oh, yes. uh, at times, rightfully so. Um, but still, if you can, if you're one of those teams that maybe doesn't have a lot of room in the budget, but you have a lot of cash, maybe you try to work a big sum short term deal and see if he'll bite on that. And then you have a, you have an ace in your bolt, you have an ace in your rotation for the next two years. And if he falls off a little bit, you don't have that long term. Uh, you're not locked into that long term. So that could be one of those moves for those teams that we kind of identified as, you know, they could be big spenders on short term deals because of that cash, but you know, have to see. Yeah. But again, yeah, it's like you're looking at it's like again, kind of like what you said at Trevino, there's a lot of blue. It's like there's a lot of bright green still with Kluber. And mm-hmm. it's a little hard to believe. So he might get snapped up for a little bit less than he wants because of the ageist that we have in the league. And I may need to keep a better eye on him than I thought I was going to. So, Corey Kluber, you might want to pick your phone up soon, bud, because check for that call. Door County area code. Yep, nine two zero. Look for the nine two zero. Let's stick with pitchers. Chris Sale, another one of the top pitchers. Um, he's a seventy-one overall, uh, three years younger than Corey Kluber. Uh, a really interesting makeup. Uh, when it comes to ratings, 60 stuff, 40 movement, but 75 control. So he can paint. He can paint those corners. Um, didn't have a bad year. It wasn't great. Com- it wasn't great compared to years past where uh, in Assassin City, he had a sub 3-2 ERA, went to Los Angeles, just down the road from Assassin City, went to the Pilots, 4-4-6. Um, but I mean, he had a better Bapit, uh, almost as the, the walks were up a bit, which is surprising considering his control. But again, this is a guy that can really help a team out. He's a workhorse again. Um, but he, he wants, according to the OOTP rumored demands in that offseason center, He's wanting six years, thirty-five million per. So much money. It's a um, lot of money for a thirty-three-year-old, and a thirty-three-year-old who had his worst home runs per nine since the inaugural season when he was with Philly. So there's something about the Halifax division over there that has been pushing his home run numbers up a little bit, and again. From 2018 on, he's had 211, 226, 223, 233 innings, and then only had 195 this year. So probably not quite as much of a workhorse as he's been in the last few seasons, partially just, again, age, regular kind of just pitcher abuse in terms of the amount of work he's been doing. But if you can get 175 to 185 innings, out of sale, I think it would be a great pitcher to add as well. A sidearm pitcher, so slightly different delivery, which may or may not have some sort of effect in this game. I don't want to give away much more than that, but it, like the arm slot, I think, makes a difference at times. 
So certainly someone to watch. Between Kluber and Sale, I would anticipate that Sale is going to get significantly less money than he is initially wanting. Kluber might get a little bit less. But Sale, I know I don't feel comfortable offering him $27 million right now, 25 I'm not sure. Um, given that was a, that's a big dip in war that he just had, and he had an injury near the end of the season. So I think, I know I won't be approaching him anytime soon, but again, like you said, there's definitely teams out there that have the money and have a need to improve their starting pitching. Right, right. All right, so what about the guys catching these studs? Uh, a, a decent catcher class you've got Yasmani Grandal uh Buster Posey both on both in their mid-30s but Gary Sanchez 29 years old um so pretty young compared to a lot of the free agents around him um and this guy can flat out hit I mean he's playing he's a catcher that's played in 130 games plus the last three seasons. So you're getting a guy almost what we would consider like an everyday catcher, um, which means they're playing 130 games, which still seems like a lot to me for a catcher. Um, not a contact hitter. You're not picking up a contact hitter. You're picking up a, a slugger. He's hit 20 plus home runs in the last three years. Um, the war's been right around two. Uh, he matched the same war he had in 2020, 2021. He had a 2.6 war season. Um, but the OPS plus is just one point lower than it was last year. He had more home runs, more RBIs. Sanchez is going to land somewhere, especially in a contending team. And what does he want? The only, the only red flag is he wants about, he wants a seven year contract initially. And the, AAV is right around $25 million. So pretty expensive for a catcher. But if you uh, want a guy that can be at that back middle end of your lineup, that can smoke the ball, this is your guy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And having been the manager of Yasmani Grandal the last couple of years, he's been – lackluster at the plate to say the least uh there were definitely points in the season where i had reese mcguire replacing him because of the bat and grand most of grandal's value comes from the glove sanchez is definitely looks to be a little bit more uh, fluid in terms of how much value he can derive behind the plate as a true catcher but his offensive value has really not dwindled much he had one iffy season in 2020 when his slugging was only 418, but his OPS was still only. kind of right around. Yeah, only it stayed right around where it's been the last few seasons. Um, so he's probably aged a little bit and not been quite as good as he was. I mean, I guess, okay, 2019 looks like it was more of an anomaly than anything else. But 2018, 2020, 2021, and so on, are all pretty good years. 2021, I'm guessing he had a very good season behind the plate. If you can get 
pretty decent value out of him. It's probably worth two, two and a quarter war if you get lucky. His 2.6, I think, is probably a little bit high, but those 1.9 seem low. Either way, paying $25 million a year for him is a lot of money. Um, I know that Yaz was wanting around 9 or like $8.5 million as we need the end of the, neared the end of the season. So, again, catchers might just have a little bit more value, and Sanchez has plenty of pop, so... Yeah, he would definitely be like a five or a six hitter for me, provided I get a couple more people in. But he's definitely someone who can improve a lineup, but yeah, also very expensive. Right, and if you're a team that has solid infield, outfield, that place where you can't improve, just about every team can't improve, is it's with catcher. Yeah, not everybody is San Mateo with Adley Rushman. Exactly, exactly. But speaking of other ways to improve your team, there's been a lot of movement as soon as the season ended in that finalized trades channel. We don't have nearly enough time to talk about all of them, but let's go through some of the big ones. First one, talking about moving money around. Sicily, once again, taking on a big old contract. They're taking on all of the Garrett Cole contract which is 30 plus million through 2027. Um, what, what's, what's our impressions of, of Sicily right now and what they're doing? I think they are gearing up for a big old time to jump out of the hole and jump into the competitive part of the diamond league. Again, they have had two rough seasons, uh, at the major league level, they've had a couple a draft now to bring in some players that will come up in a few seasons, and they've made two big trades. Again, the Cole transaction is definitely one that's like, okay, hey, here is somebody that they want to have kind of leading their rotation. But right after that, they come back and pick up, oh no, never mind, before that even. They brought in two relief pitchers in Rosenthal and Will Smith and then brought in a major league left fielder as well just to give up one player in Gianni who looks adequate, if not above average, and then a prospect in Rubiana who could be good, but... They're definitely picking up a lot from San Mateo in that trade as well. So this sounds like a, oh, hey, we are going for something here. They're, they may not necessarily be going for everything quite yet, but they've got Cole for a little while and can then hopefully bring up a lot of the other acquisitions that they've made. And Sicily, I definitely think, is going to try to go for that division in the Diamond League. So. California, Murmansk, be on the lookout. But when, again, teams like making runs at divisions, and we've talked about them every other segment so far, the juice, making trades, and I don't like it. Don't like it at all. Again, you've mentioned it before. They're bringing in Paul Goldschmidt. No, thank you. Please don't do that. Please don't bring in somebody 
who can get after the one part of my team that I like, which is my pitching. And I definitely think Goldschmidt is going to do well in this division. He did well when he was playing for Estes Park. So he'll get nine games there and will probably do quite well. But definitely gave up a decent amount to Manchester in order to make that work. But sometimes you kind of got to pay for what you want. All right. An older guy, though, 35 years old, he signed through to 2024. So not like locked into this massive deal. Um, His scouting, looking at his scouting page, he's kind of slowly declined since 2018. But he's still a guy that last year put up slashed at his best war year, actually, in – since 2018 so something something about manchester something about playing in those cold rainy days in england um he played in 158 games he had 700 plate appearances and then slash 298 404 538 with 31 home runs 103 rbis goldschmidt while still declining is still a force at the plate for sure, yeah. Definitely going to be not so fun to face him. And again, he's got Ironman injury proneness, so he's not going to get hurt mm-hmm. that much, which is something that we've seen plague a lot of teams. So having somebody who's not going to be hurt is going to be good. Yeah, no idea whatsoever. It's fine. <laughs> uh, and then once again, X making a trade Just stop. for a young player. Um, San Mateo gets a host of young players to go along with it, a 10th round draft pick. I mean, obviously the two names that pop out, he's got Aiden Maldonado, um, who is probably a year away from being an FCF starter, but X picks up Grayson Rodriguez, who is ready to go. Oh my gosh. So much. So the only red flag You've got a power pitcher that has uh, fragile injury proneness. So you got to keep an eye out on that, especially because he kind of comes in as a two-way player. So that just bumps up that risk factor just a little bit more. It's, it'll be interesting to see if he gets used as a uh, two-way player. He, uh, let's see, he played – Started nine games in 2022 at the major league level. He only had three plate appearances. So yeah, he's, he's not somebody you want to have batting. If you switch him to third base, he's significantly below average. So yeah, he's he will. I mean, he's tagged as a two way player right now, but I would expect X to keep him squarely in the starting rotation. But yeah, 99 to 101 mile per hour fastball. That's not bad at all. Slider um, looks filthy too. Yeah, that's again a lot of a lot of good looking colors there. But also, I mean, had I guess 2019 was a decent season ERA wise, but also didn't really pick. I mean, 46 innings. In that year, he's got to have had some injuries. Yeah, 2019, mild hamstring strain. 
He's been he's been on his hamstrings and he's torn his UCL once and has had elbow strain. So there is risk involved. There certainly is risk involved. He was again start of the 2021 season, named the number five prospect in the FCF. But oh yeah. I don't blame Pops for trying to get rid of an injury prone pitcher. Um he has been plagued by injuries to pitchers, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens here. And yeah, another young player that actually can have in his system and then extend in a couple of years to this big <laughs> contract. Yeah. Um, ladies and gentlemen, that is, that seems like it's X's MO. Um, it's taken me about a year and three months real time to figure that out. So <laughs> again, X, I don't know how much trading we're going to be doing because of that, but that's okay. We were all very confused during the that uh, inaugural draft. We're like, "What are you? What are you doing?" Oh man, came yeah, in, no. had a hundred loss season, and then has been a force since yep. then. So yeah, no, we can talk. The inaugural draft is something we can talk about in later podcast episodes. I have got stories for that, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, trades have been interesting so far. I got one trade done. I was so excited, but. There's lots of time still, and hopefully there oh, yeah. will be plenty more trades made. I do not doubt it in this league. Oh, wait. What was it? Um, was that the 2019 deadline that just passed with, like, nothing? It was like oh, just, there's, nothing? There's, like, no trading, like, for one deadline. That might have been 2019, because I know the last, the last few... Have not uh, been quiet. Have not been quiet, no. Did you have the 2021? I had either 2020 or 2021 because that was the longest sim of my life. Takes so long. Um, we just we need to get people on the train that, hey, you guys can put your own trades through, yes. get through the game. You can to a point. Like if you run into like some financial stuff, then you can't which is definitely going to be something that will come up in some trades, but certainly try it. Certainly go in to make a trade and see if you can put it in your export, and then it's, it's just easier for us to... We'll get a nice little pop-up in our commissioner thing, and we can check and make sure it's still right. It's not just, a, oh, hey, there's a trade. Okay, accept. No, we open it up, and we can look at it. But, we'll fact check it. We'll oh, fact yeah, check. Definitely, yeah, but there's easily ways to get this done a little bit faster bumps to play so trading is the way to go yes all right so let's go to the awards the awards announced on thursday i'm just gonna skip right past diamond league gm of the year um we talked to him earlier he didn't he didn't sweep it it's fine he didn't sweep all the did not sweep did not sweep Um, so come on guys why not but the platinum league gm of the year Carolina, I'm not even going to try that last name. But 11 first place votes just blowing everyone else out of the water. Oh, yeah. Like, had my first place vote for sure. Um, Expansion team getting Boston into the playoffs. And that division, too, is, I think, quite an accomplishment and Mm -hmm. well-deserving of a runaway first place. MVPs, you got Cody Bellinger. Uh, not really a surprise there. Uh, yeah, he had a good year. 
wins by 17 total points. Harper with seven third, second place votes, five first place votes, but Cody Bellinger, 10 first place votes. That's going to win you. Yeah. No, go down the, go down the point winners. You go Assassin's City, Estes Park, Assassin's City, Estes Park, Estes Park. And then you finally hit somebody outside of those two in Corey Seager in California in six. So with That's one first place vote, one first I wonder place where that vote. came from. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, JP. Maybe silver <laughs> up on occasion, but that's okay. Uh, Platinum League. Guess who? Mike Trout. Hey, it even attributes that he was on my team for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just uh, going to move right past it. The Cy Youngs, though, very closely contested. Super close. Adrian Morejon winning the Cy Young with fewer first place votes than Joey Wentz, beating him out by one point. So Joey Wentz got six first place votes. Adrian got five, but he got five third place votes where Joey Wentz got one and then four fourth place votes. So that's it. Just one fourth place votes to a third place vote. And you have a totally different Cy Young. Shohei Otani finishing in third with 74 points. And then down to the Platinum League. Another close one. Uh, just five points separating third and first place. And once again, a uh, player who got fewer first place votes getting the win. Chris Archer, three first place votes, 70 points. Alex Fado, four first place votes, but 67 points. Just missing there with those, uh, those votes at the end. Just not as many second place votes. And then uh, tied for third. Yeah, I mean, Morihone, I had winning. I did have Joey in fourth in the Diamond League Cy Young. He just he had pitched fewer games, so I think that is part of the reasoning behind my voting for that. But, yeah, Archer and Fado, um, super-duper close. Yeah, and you got, what is that, that's seven, nine, in first through third-place votes for Archer, where Fado's only got eight votes there. So somebody who voted for Archer left Fado off completely because, again, Archer's got 7, 9, 10, 12 votes, but Fado's got 6, 8, 10, 11 votes. So somebody left Fado off their ballot. So Philly, go hunt that person down and ask them why. No hurting people. We don't want to do that. And social distancing, so keep six feet away. Ask, just ask them why. All right, Rookies of the Year. Uh, it was a runaway in the Diamond League. Leody Tavares um, just had an ungodly year, outkicked his coverage completely. So congrats to Nashville. Uh, you're welcome. He came out of my farm system, but I got Chris Bryant, so I'm not, I'm not upset about that at all. Uh, Platinum League Rookie of the Year, a little bit closer. Cameron Meisner just squeaking one out. Uh, well, not really. He gets it by seven Decent points enough. there. Matt Walner from San Mateo finishing in second. Your boy Bobby Witt got Bobby Witt, third, though. A lot of third-place votes. Somebody to keep an eye on? I think so. It's not even his final form. Uh, yeah, that's it. Those are all the awards we're going to talk about. And I think... I think that wraps it up. Yeah, I mean, we've had 
plenty to talk about and there's going to be plenty more coming down the pipe, but no, that's a great first start again. And it worked out that, Oh, Hey, awards got announced when they did. And then we can kind of move forward with stuff like that. Yeah. And it's the off season, especially these first couple of weeks, a little bit slow. Um, Yep. Let us know what, what kind of stuff you guys want us to talk about because there's not going to be a whole lot to talk about. Uh, Luckily, in the off season, we get about a month and a week. So we get five weeks to talk about. Um, and we'll see if maybe there's some bigger signings to talk about. We'll keep you updated on those and what that means for the division they're in and what it could mean for the competitive level of that team. Uh, or if it's just like a bizarre signing, like why did this person sign three closers? Uh, we'll talk about that too. And we'll give hey, you jingles. Our... We're, we're looking at you. Jingles. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're waiting for our, our jingle signing of the off season so we can talk about that for three episodes. Um, anything happened. you want to add? Um, definitely excited to get this going. This helps a little bit with the whole quarantine stuff because, well, well okay, so I live in Iowa and we're just going to briefly talk about the fact that it's April 7th, 16th and we supposedly have a winter weather advisory, so that's not great. But this helps just a little bit dealing with everything that's kind of going on. So happy to get this started. Feel free to go and make some trades folks so that we can talk about them. Um, minor league player swaps or those like gigantic eight players, eight team swaps where you're just swapping like 2020 guys. I don't want to talk about those. So I don't think we will, but make yeah. some trades that we can talk about. Do something interesting. And um, there, there were some pretty decent ones here. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, as we we're already kind of getting set. So save those for next week. Thanks everyone for listening. If you got this far, congrats. And uh, next, next time we'll have a, an actual name for this podcast. We've got one we're leaning towards, but we can reveal that at the beginning of next week. For sure. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Wash your hands.